Welcome back to Run It Back. It is September 30th. Here we are back on Monday. It's been a very eventful week in sports. Here I am with co-host uh, Costa Katsoulis. Costa? What's going on, everybody? I missed week one, but I'm happy to be back. And we are very excited for this new year, this new football season, new everything. All right, we're going to get right into it. So, it's been a busy week in the NFL. It's been a very busy season going on just in total. That it uh, has been. Newest news is that Vontez Perfect of the Oakland Raiders, as if the Oakland Raiders have not had a busy enough season, he has been suspended for the entire year for a dirty hit on a Colts wide receiver this past Sunday. Which is not his first dirty hit for those who should be concerned. This is the last in what is a series of many horrible hits he's done on most likely slot receivers. Yeah, I'm not um, sure if you guys have seen a couple years ago. I mean, this is what everyone's been saying that uh, was the moment that made Antonio Brown turn crazy. Did you see uh, Vontez Burfick's hit a couple years ago on, an on, on Antonio Brown was just absolutely brutal. He's coming in for a pass and just went straight to the head you know knocked him out i mean mm -hmm. juju eventually you know got got revenge for him on it but gave a hard hit back to perfect but i mean perfect's been playing dirty for a while he's had his problems with that in the past and has been suspended for it before no yeah that's like his thing he waits for guys to kind of catch the ball in a state where they're not ready for the hit and he kind of just levels them with his shoulder to the face and he doesn't even i mean granted the nfl is a really contact heavy sport that's how football is but you know, this guy looks for it. It's not like he's playing the ball and then these things tend to just happen over and over again. He hits these players always in a state of defenselessness when they're not ready for him. And well, more he, often than not, they can't play the rest of the game because of it, if not many he, Yeah, he's, he's trying to take them out. That's that's the problem with this. And the thing is, like, Vontaze Perfect is a really talented linebacker if you t even take that away. I, so he, it's not like he needs to be doing that to make him special. He was a great linebacker for Cincinnati for years. Mm -hmm. And... Um, because of this, he's just become a problem for a lot of NFL teams. You know, they always say that the best ability in sports is availability. Mm -hmm. And when you do this, you don't make yourself available for your team. And mm -hmm. that's a big problem. Yeah, and I feel like this speaks to the bigger problem in the NFL, too, which I think people are going to be debating, too, is, you know, how you kind of control this, this, these dirty hits that happen, specifically among guys that play in the middle of the field. Like, how do you control that? How do you limit it? Um, and it's going to be a weird discussion because it's really hard especially in the middle of the game, to separate the guys like Vontaze Perfect, who probably aren't playing on the ball and they're looking to get a guy hurt, compared to the guys who, you know, they put their shoulder on certain situations, the offensive guy puts his head on at the same time, and, you know, more often than not, if a defensive guy's going for a tackle, the, as the offensive guy, you're going to get the brunt of the hit. So, you know, this is just a long string of things that's going to be in this guy's career, but it's going to open up a bigger conversation, I think. Yeah, yeah, just just not pretty stuff, and uh, and you know it's sad that that has to be his legacy going forward because he's he's coming up, he's aging, he's getting to be a getting close to his thirties as a linebacker. Um, so you know, as he like goes on to the life after football, it's kind of disappointing that that's what he's going to be remembered for because, like I said, he is a talented linebacker, and um, you know the fact that he's doing this is just it's just a shame. But speaking of other dirty hits, uh, we had that hit from the Bills-Patriots game that took out uh, Josh Allen for for the rest of the game. He's still in concussion protocol today. Um, so his availability for next week is not looking too good. This one, I will say, is a little different, though. Yeah. I'm sorry, what's up? <laughs> it's, it's okay, no worries. <laughs> I don't know if I just swallowed a bug or something. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that hit's a little bit different. Um, <clears throat> I think also, like we said... <coughs> sorry. 
I think also, like we said, the like when a hit like this happens with Vontae's perfect, immediately the person looking at the hit is going to think, okay, it's Vontae's perfect. It's just the same thing over and over again. So with these type of situations, you always have to think about the intent too on top of it because that plays into it. Um, and I think when you look at history. those two different hits, the history, exactly. When you look at those two different hits, it's easy for someone to say, okay, Vontae's perfect meant to do it, whereas the guy on the Patriots didn't mean to. All in all, it's the same end result. The guy gets really, really hurt on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, I think the difference here is that I, I'm not sure if this if this meant to be a dirty hit. You could see it. Ja- Josh Allen was taking off with the ball, trying to get a first down. Um, in essence, he he ducks his head, you know, kind of preparing for the hit, which is a kind of a natural reaction for a lot of NFL players. You see it with running backs all the time, mm-hmm. and because of that, there was helmet to helmet contact, and it was just a big brutal hit. So I, I don't think it was. Um, was it Patrick Chung that hit him? I think it was. I'm not 100% sure. It was a different guy. It wasn't Patrick Chung. It wasn't Patrick Chung. Um, yeah, so I, I, I thought that was a little bit different. But, you know, the, the NFL is doing what they can in the trying to protect the health of as many players as they can. They're trying to make harsher rules on this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you know, this this is a violent game and it, yeah, it I was becomes about to say unavailable. That. At the end of the day, I think yeah, people have to understand that this at the end of the day is football and it's – entirely based on that kind of contact i mean not in that severity but you know this is this is the most brutal no i wouldn't say the most brutal because there's rugby there's also rugby which is this without pads yeah Um, i was gonna say this is this is the most brutal uh team sport in the world but it's yeah rugby rugby got us beat um but it it opens up a question you know uh, not a question rather it people still have to stay informed of the fact that this is football at the end of the day and unfortunately no one likes to see these hits but once again, there's only so much you could do as a referee. There's only so much that the players' committees and you know these officiating committees can do to try to limit this kind of thing. But at the end of the day, you know, guy goes up for a pass. You know, the world stands still. You don't know what's going to happen in those next couple seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's entirely up to the discretion of that defensive player what's going to happen. And you look at the stuff that happened to Ryan Shazier too. People thought he wasn't going to be able to walk again. So there's there's yeah. you know bad stuff happens in the NFL, and it's it's really sad. It's really tragic. I I won't lie. You know, I I hope nothing but but the best health to any player that comes, you know, that steps foot on a football field. But at the end of the day, it is football, and you you realize what you're signing up for. You see mm-hmm. all this gruesome stuff happening in the game. I saw, you see Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, too, was knocked out cold after that hit. It was mm-hmm. it was absolutely brutal. But at the end of the day, you know, this is this is the game you love, and this is a part of it. You know, this is this is the the danger that you no can happen and now he gets suspended for a year right like perfect you, said, you say but not the patriots player. Season, not the patriots player now you know patriots player will probably get a fine yeah he'll get a fine and that's it but perfect now the season's over does he come back is someone going to pick him up i mean i don't know what his uh contract is looking like with the raiders but i'm sure if he could if if it's past this year i'm sure he's you know could be looked to be being mm-hmm. cut you know like i said there's you could have other guys on the roster that can play linebacker. You know, you don't have to waste your time on someone who seems to be like a lost cause at this point. And it's funny because you look at Vontae's Burfick who lays these hard hits, right? Think about a guy like Sean Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. Who laid out the nastiest hits like you could mm-hmm. see in a, on like a YouTube highlight video, mm-hmm. right? And it was celebrated. But <laughs> but that the culture has changed. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, when you get into a conversation about Sean Taylor, the last thing you hear is dirty player. Hard hitter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Played the game like it's supposed to be played. Vontaze Burfitt, completely different story. We, also, the thing is, like, Vontaze Burfitt, he's going for people's heads. Yeah. You know, 
Sean Taylor was giving out hard hits, but most of the hard hits I seen were body shots. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like I'm trying to give this guy a concussion. I'm trying to kill this guy. Yeah, literally. Know? And people applauded that. So, you know, it's it's a weird situation. But it is. It I is. think I think the ruling that was given was was a proper one, especially given this guy's tenure as being that guy on the opposite team that no one wants to have to get tackled by. So Yeah. Can only imagine if he was on a, a Greg Williams defense. Remember Greg Williams from Bounty Gate. Mm-hmm. Is the guy who is in charge of um, essentially ending Brett Favre's career. Yeah, with uh, with that game, but yeah. Uh, anyway, on to our next topic: uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, offensive struggles have been going on for the entire season, but this week their defensive struggles <laughs> struggles were absolutely atrocious. They allowed fifty five points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me more than three players? On the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, I can only tell you literally Jameis Winston and Mike Evans, and maybe that guy Chris Godwin. Godwin, he plays yeah. Well, there's three. I can't name more than <laughs> exactly, three. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, what what's go- what's going on with this defense? This is, I mean, I know this is a stingy defense. I know these guys can ball. Mm-hmm. You saw them in the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl last year, they were playing great against Tom Brady's offense up until like the fourth quarter. But still, that they played a hell of a game. You got guys like Aaron Donald, who's the best, who everyone is saying is, I don't know who the best defensive player in the world right now is. But mm-hmm. people say that Aaron Donald's the best football player in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And with outings like that, I'm just, you know, I, I don't know about the consistency about it. You have Aqib Tlaib. You have Marcus Peters. You have this really, Michael Brockers. You have this really talented defense. And you let you let Tampa Bay score 55 on you. That mm. may be an example of, you know, playing down on to, to teams you think are not as good. But... With a, a Bruce Arians um, Tampa Bay team, I can see that being on the rise fairly soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing is, but not not to score fifty five points on the Rams. Yeah, they were, were they scored twenty one in the first quarter, mm-hmm. and I, I mean part of that was Jared Goff throwing two t- interceptions in the first quarter. I think one of them yeah. being a pick six. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have a great. I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, no the the Rams the Rams defense has got to play better than that. I and think. and the thing is is. You know, any Rams fans listening, don't freak out. It's one game, obviously. You have a good coach. You have a good system. You have really good players. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this defense has to perform better than that because you spent all this money on really, really good defensive players, like you've said. You know, as you said before, Aaron Donald, um, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, players, okay, that you spend a lot of money for that you expect to show up. Um, And given, again, it's one game, but... It's a little unsightly when it happens to to that kind of an NFL team. Fifty five points is a lot of points. That that was that, that's like a college football score. It is. That's not yeah. an NFL score. That's no, ridiculous. Um, and that can't happen, especially when you're the Los Angeles Rams and you were just in the Super Bowl last year. So I don't think there's enough here to to be scared because I think there's a lot of the season to be played. But this, in order for the Rams to get where they want to be last year, this can't be a trend, by any means. I I agree completely. And especially um, now now to their offense, what I want to say is. Look, people, don't don't throw out Jared Goff right now. Mm-hmm. I know he's not playing great right now, but this guy, this guy's the real deal. I, mm-hmm. I I've heard nothing but uh, he's a system guy. Um, he's not actually that good. McVeigh made him. I you know what? I just I don't know if I believe that. You know, like Jared Goff, he was the first pick in college or first pick in the NFL draft for a reason. This, mm-hmm. He's got talent. I've seen. I saw him last year outperform Patrick Mahomes on Monday Night Football. That was absolutely amazing. You mm-hmm. know, he's having struggles, but who wouldn't coming off a 
a devastating Super Bowl loss, a game they knew they could have won, mm-hmm. a game that you know was a was a Brandon Cooks holding onto the ball in the end zone pass from winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, from winning the Super Bowl, they they, they were right there. They mm-hmm. were right there. So so I get that they might be a little demoralized. I get that um, that Jared Goff may have to pick himself up. But if there's if there's one guy I know that can handle adversity in the NFL, it's Jared Goff. I saw him in college football start off um i don't think they won any games his his, uh, first year starting in college football for cal berkeley Mm -hmm. and then they went and won they went five and seven they went seven and five and the last year they won 10 games i think they Mm -hmm. they performed extremely well and i just saw him get better every single year and i was like this is a guy that will just put his head down and work and he will just get better and i i believe that he will do that and now that he's facing adversity i i expect him to become much better out of it mm-hmm. and i think this is also a part of the the rams hangover from the super bowl too yeah you know you you also have to play that into it. when your team is so successful one season and everything kind of fits into place um you kind of expect to hit the ground running the next year you're like what can go wrong mm-hmm. and a lot of people have to remember that okay yeah he was a first round draft pick he has a lot of talent he is a young quarterback and these things happen a lot to young quarterbacks you know it happened obviously you know all you you know, Dak Prescott has that great first year. He's had a couple years slump, and now I think I haven't really always been a Dak guy, but he's on the rise again now. And these things happen to these young quarterbacks because not everything always fits into place. And sometimes you have a little bit of, of adversity, stuff like that. You know, guy like Derek Carr starts off really well, and now he's on the downward slump. Who knows what's going to happen with him? But you can't. So with these with these young quarterbacks, especially because there's so much responsibility on the position, you can't freak out. You know, when they you when you get these little bumps in the road, so, you so can't so. let them go so easy because then their development goes down, and then you're gonna have to start the process over again. Barring the chance you land some stud free agent who's maybe a little more seasoned in the league, but that's never happened. That's I mean, never even happened. even if you look at uh, even if you look at the one free agent that has come in recent years, switch teams would be Kirk Cousins, and look how that's working for Minnesota right now. Mm-hmm. They give him an 84 million dollar, the first fully guaranteed contract in NFL history, and right now. They don't know what to do. They they might have to put in their backup quarterback. They might have to put in Kyle Sloter because mm-hmm. he's performing so poorly. And this is a team that has so much talent on both sides of the ball. Um, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, Adam Thielen, da- Dalvin Cook, a decent offensive line. You know, um, Laquan Treadwell is still – he was a first-round pick. He's got talent. I'm not saying he's, he's a bit of a bust so far, but – They've got they've got talent on that team, especially mm-hmm. offensively, and their defense has been playing. Their defense yeah. has been playing without a doubt. Bottom line, don't freak out. That's what you have to expect with these with these young quarterbacks. That's mm-hmm. what and people like to go crazy about it because that's the guy, that's the guy on the team. And if that guy's not performing that great, then you know you kind of expect the rest of the team to follow that trend. But I don't think that all the talk about him right now is warranted. Um, I mean, speaking of young quarterbacks, we we got to see a very young quarterback, a, a, a sophomore battle between Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield yesterday, where, man, everyone was buying into this Lamar Jackson hype. Mm-hmm. Everyone I saw. Right for running and, back. you know, you had people out there uh, like Rex Ryan saying Baker Mayfield is overrated as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were really getting on him. I've kind of always been um, indifferent on Baker Mayfield. I know you have guys like Colin Coward that, you know, really – dislike him a lot because uh, not because of his play but because of his character mm-hmm. and there are people that you know like max kellerman who think that the browns are um super bowl contenders this year which i think is absolutely absurd because this is the cleveland browns and i get that they won 
what six seven six i think six games last year Mm. um yeah i get that they won six games last year and they've improved their offense a little bit and they've gotten some some decent draft picks but this is a young team man this Mm. this team's not good this team's not ready for the super bowl you need some veterans on that team to make the super bowl i can't think of a a team if uh, the the team i would have to go back to would be the 2000 i believe the 2005 pittsburgh steelers when they played the Seattle Seahawks, a team that probably shouldn't have been in the Super Bowl with Matt Hasselbeck, mm-hmm. I think the I think the Seahawks went seven and nine that year. Somehow won their division, mm-hmm. made the Super Bowl off of an incredible run, and then you know lost to the Steelers because the Steelers were an incredible team. They went fifteen and one that year. The Steelers were way too good to lose that Super Bowl. But as far as a, a team with a, a sophomore quarterback going to go to the Super Bowl, I think that's that's unrealistic expectations. I don't and I don't think that that should be put on. The Cleveland Browns at that point. I get. I think the Browns are going to make improvements, um, but they also have a, a a guy who's being the coach, for, uh, head coach for the first time in his career, Freddie Kitchens. Um, mm. And they've had growing pains with it. You know, uh, they led the league. They've been leading the league in in penalties. That first game was absolutely atrocious, and they have been working on it since. They have been working on their discipline. But that's something that they need to focus on. They also have a lot of characters on the team. You've got everywhere I go now. I see. Odell Beckham Jr.'s watch commercial. Every single YouTube YouTube. <laughs> the thing video that should I not watch. the thing that should not be associated with your wide receiver is is watch brand. Yeah. For those oh, concerned. No, and you know what the watch says? As worn by Odell Beckham in mm-hmm. the NFL. In He's the wearing NFL this. Game. Yeah. And I've talked about this last week that I don't think this is safe for NFL players because I'm not sure if you've ever been wearing a watch and had that slap, but that hurts. Mm-hmm. That hurts a lot. And I'm not sure if it would feel that great if you were wearing a watch and that hit. You know, it's a hard object. So how about, obvi- how about catching a football? How about his one job that he has to do on the Cleveland Browns is to catch the ball? I think he had two catches yesterday. Yeah. And he's <laughs> more worried about, you know, the millions of dollars that are, you know, that's latched around his wrist. You know, that's something that goes along with it, too. I, you know, what you, you know said about not, the characters. You know who's not worried about what's on his wrist that much? Who's that? Jarvis Landry. Not at all. Eight, I think eight catches for 153 yards mm-hmm. yesterday. Absolute incredible game. Nick Chubb, too. Uh, two touchdowns, 165 yards rushing. Absolute stud. Mm-hmm. Those guys... Those guys are putting their head down and focusing on football, and that's something I can appreciate. Not that I like. I, I still think Odell Beckham's a really talented receiver. He is. He has things that you can't teach a football player to have. Yeah, and I, I would, I'd love to have him on my team too. But he just has to rein it in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think especially when you see the the other diva receiver knows going on right now. I hate to bring it up, Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, Which see, is this? This has transcended. The diva level now in Antonio Brown. This is you know stuff that. Oh yeah, I said <laughs> so I said last week. In the making. I said last week that this makes Terrell Owens look like a team captain. Mm-hmm. The stuff that Antonio Brown's doing, like, because at least a lot of the stuff Terrell Owens did was on the field. Yeah, that people got mad at him. Yeah, about, he was right? just a clown. He was just a clown. Antonio Brown's, you know. And well, he was also a, he also divided the locker room all the time. But yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, fine. But these are things that this is this is how you craft a winning culture in an organization like the Browns. You, you get players, you get veterans, you get guys who are willing to, to kind of strap themselves in for the long haul and to realize that, okay, you do have good, solid, young players on this team that could play, mm-hmm. but these things take time. Mm-hmm. And I am putting all my effort to live in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, exactly, for the next three, four years. I know it's a hard thing to do, but winning's a lot better than losing. Mm-hmm. And if you can make winning work in Cleveland, Ohio, and you can enjoy it there, you can enjoy it anywhere, as and long as you're winning games. Well, and you're going to get 
immense fan support. The, the fans mm-hmm. in Cleveland are, are amazing. And yeah, because they've I, been there I, for how long? I, never, I have no plans on, you know, talking bad about the fans of any team. I think Cleveland fans are amazing. But I just mean, like, being to a, a Cleveland as a, as a place is... Yeah, I know. It's, it's Cleveland. It's, it's Cleveland. not the easiest thing in the there, world. There's a reason why LeBron left three times or twice. Left twice. Yeah, at least. left twice. But when you win, no one's got a problem with staying. Exactly. That's the thing. Exactly. So I think I think that, you know, this team does have hope for the future. This team played amazing against a really talented Ravens team and kind of exposed some of Lamar Jackson's weaknesses because mm-hmm. he can be turnover prone. Yeah. Threw an interception, got a fumble. Um, Trying to do too much. Yeah. In essence. Yeah. And obviously, I think that the offensively, the weapons on the Browns are much better than the weapons on the Ravens. Easily. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, but, you know, the everyone riding that, that Ravens hype, because it was that Browns hype at first. It was, absolutely. And Baker and and this shifted. Ha- exactly. And this has to be stressed. Baker Mayfield doesn't have anything to worry about right now. Yeah, you had a couple bad games, and you bounced back with this one. But what has to be stressed here from the locker room, from the locker room and out is that, you know, stop getting involved with personalities on TV and their opinions about you. Just go to, go to you know, to practice every week. Put your head down and win games, and people will change their opinions about you. Let your play speak for you. Thank you don't got to be answering to Rex Ryan on whatever show he was on yeah, when yeah, you made those yeah. comments. Don't waste your time. You're an NFL quarterback on a, on a team that is projected to be a really good team in a couple of years. Don't lose hope yet in yourself. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I get that he is feisty and stuff like that, uh, Be feisty on the field, though. Exactly, exactly. Um, that's how people like you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why so many people do like Baker Mayfield, people who play with them especially. Um, my thing is, what I wanted to say is, my one worry for Baker Mayfield is, like, because I've been so indifferent about him, He does. I do see the talent. I see the talent every single game he plays. Um, the one thing that worries about me, though, is the, uh, the turnovers. He throws a lot of interceptions, and mm. I know he really wants to be Brett Favre, but that, that's, another, <laughs> that's the bad thing that Brett Favre did. He led the... Always I think will. he has. I think he has the most interceptions of all time, Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna fact check you on that one. Go ahead. He. I mean, by the end of his career, Brett Favre led the league in touchdowns as well. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Brett Favre's my favorite quarterback of all time. Yeah, I have a little bit of bias over there. I love Brett. Former quarterback Brett Favre owns or shares a number of NFL records, including pass attempts, pass interceptions, 336. Yeah. So, so there's some parts where you don't want to be like Brett, but like, look, Brett, Brett's a good. I, I mean, I love be, be like the slinger. The se- the second leading interceptions thrower behind Brett Favre's George Blanda with 277. That's uh oh no, that's like 70, 60 less. Yeah, it's about 70, let's say. Jeez, jeez. All right, Brady. But you, the thing is though, is okay. Yeah, you talk to a guy who knows a lot about football. He'll talk about those interceptions, but that's not the first thing you think of. When you think of Brett Favre, I feel. Oh, yeah, you think of the Slayer. You think that he's exactly. going to make some throws that you just can't believe. And this is the important thing for Baker Mayfield, too, is that he, I think I think he does know that he's not Brett Favre. That, look, he's got good arm talent, but Brett Favre might have the no, best you arm you I've compare. ever seen. I mean, just by ability to throw it hard, the only thing I've seen close has been Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Just, to, just to sling that football. Brett Favre was something else he'd break receivers fingers with his throw mm-hmm. um so yeah you gotta you gotta realize as baker mayfield baker mayfield has incredible accuracy and i think he should focus on that mm-hmm. and try to cut down on the turnovers mm-hmm. because he can play a game similar to aaron Rodgers, where he's a type of player that can improvise and you know make plays happen on the run uh, baker has that ability uh and so does aaron but aaron, the thing that aaron ca- uh, capitalized on and what he learned from brett so much 
Aaron Rodgers, I I don't remember the last time Aaron Rodgers threw more than ten interceptions in a season. Last mm-hmm. year he had two. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time his, that's insane. His MVP season he had seven, forty touchdowns and seven interceptions. Yeah, guy, guy doesn't throw picks, man. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and, like, the times that he does throw picks, as you saw on Thursday Night Football last week, it wasn't his fault. He threw it to the receiver in his chest, and the, I mean, it popped out, and the other guy picked it off. So, focus on, th- the accuracy is good. That's that's a that's a bright spot of Baker Mayfield. And he has doubt. mobility. He's he's young. You know, he's able, he's able to take a couple hits. He can go in and out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that are important for, the you know, how you want to play in the modern NFL. You want these type of quarterbacks, and you have it. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Focus, put your head down, keep playing. And his big thing, like you said, is worrying about throwing interceptions. Don't try to do too much. You got four quarters to play. You don't always need the big long ball. You don't, you know, take a slow. You have a good running back. You know, I think that should be a real emphasis in their game too. Exactly. You know, if he wants yeah. to if he wants to take those hits down the field to Odell and those guys who, you know, good wideouts, you have to get your running game going first. You have a good running back. He had a good day that day. And whenever your running game's going good, more often than not, your passing game is going to be going to benefit as a result. You can do those little play action passes and then you know pop it over the top and see what happens. And this is what I was saying last week too. Super Bowl teams have balanced offensive attacks with, without a doubt. If you want to win the Super Bowl, you need to have a running game, and you can see that in so many instances. You can see how much the Patriots improved last year when they started running the ball with Sony Michelle pretty often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they've always had like a. Uh, committee, but you know Sony Michelle really took over that running back um, position last year, and for so many years, for the time that look at uh, Philip Rivers' career, and Philip Rivers has had an outstanding career statistically. He's done absolutely amazing. But when were the Chargers as a team their best? From the time Rivers was drafted to when LT left, mm-hmm. and then when we got Melvin Gordon to, to now. now, when you got a solid running back. You can make things happen. You can make the playoffs. You make your team better. Why? This is a big reason as to why I think the the Packers struggle so much is because, or the Packers the Packers have struggled in pre- prior years because who's been their running back? You know, uh, yeah. they had Eddie Lacy. They had Eddie Lacy for a little bit, and but then he, then he got out. fat, and then yeah. <laughs> but then he got fat. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying it like it is, man. He and was 250 look, pounds showing up to camp. Yeah, and then you look as at a running guy, back. You look at a guy like C.J. Anderson who played like a stud last year, and his you know. You know, I don't even know what to call him, but essentially, he's a, he's just, a, ball. a, just a big bowling ball in the <laughs> middle of the field. But no, you're absolutely right. You need to have a serviceable running back. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you look at the Rams, too, that made it to the Super Bowl. Solid running attack with solid Todd running attack. And maybe that's a reason why they've been struggling to the Rams. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Gurley's, Gurley's got injury problems, obviously. They, he hasn't uh, rushed for more than 15 times a game mm-hmm. the entire season. So I think that's worrisome. And then what happens? Jared Goff gets questioned as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So if you you got to have a solid running running game to make your offense flow, that's super important. And that's, I mean, let's look at another example would be the Atlanta Falcons going to the Super Bowl in 2016, 2015? 2016. 2016. You know, uh, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, mm-hmm. they had a solid balanced attack and that is the key to every single offense in the nfl so i think they keep on running the ball with uh nick chubb and baker mayfield stats will improve like mm-hmm. crazy it's absolutely crazy. um on some more more young quarterbacks this is a big day of young quarterbacks the giants and the redskins played and it was ugly there was so many turnovers in that game daniel jones threw two picks to the same guy 
Yeah. <laughs> to the same guy. And I think it was I think it was in the next possession too that he threw it. Yeah, yeah, Daniel Jones. Um and I think Case Keenum threw a couple picks too before he was out. Mm-hmm. And then Dwayne Haskin comes in and throws three interceptions. <laughs> Look, this was an ugly, ugly football game. This, ugly if, unless game. you like defense. If you like defensive scoring, then pff, this is your game. And if you're a Giants fan, you're fine with the outcome, I guess. Yeah. Um I, I just think it's super funny because people are still praising Daniel Jones after this game. And look, I'm not hating on Daniel Jones. I'm just saying pump the brakes. Yeah. It's been two games. He threw two touchdowns and two interceptions last game. Mm. That's not great. It was enough to win the game because you were playing the Washington Redskins. The Redskins are nothing amazing. Mm-hmm. And also don't get don't go crazy that you made, you know, that you think you made the right decision all of a sudden because Dwayne Haskins laid an egg. Dwayne Haskins was not prepared to go into that NFL game. He mm-hmm. did not think he was going in to play that game. And you can bet that he felt like he needed to make something happen. And I'm, assum- I'm assuming that's why he threw so many interceptions because he's like, this is the guy that got drafted before me. I was supposed to go to the Giants. I got to make something happen. Mm-hmm. And you look at... Got to his head. Yeah, you, got, you get into your head and you look at the Redskins, you know, receiving options too. Uh, Terry McLaurin didn't, didn't play because he, um, he got hurt last week. And that was their best receiving option so far. He had multiple 100-yard games to start the season. Absolutely incredible. And they don't have him. They had no offense. Adrian Peterson's your running back. Darius Geis is hurt. Adrian Peterson's 30-something years old. And, like, I get it that Frank Gore has been... Frank Gore ran for 100-something yards yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just moved to either second or third all-time rushing. Mm-hmm. Which is absolutely amazing. The dude's, I think, 36 years old. Yeah, he's old as dirt. I Remember when he used to play for San Francisco? Yeah, he got drafted in 2005. He's been in the league 14 years. Mm-hmm. As a running back, people, that, that's, that does not happen. No, it doesn't. Just so I, you know. I, I'm constantly amazed. But when you have gone through the workload that Adrian Peterson has his entire career, he's been asked to carry pretty much every single offense he's been on until he got to the Cardinals last year. Mm. Uh, or two years ago, whenever he played for the Cardinals. He was the sole focal point of the Vikings offense for I don't know how many years mm-hmm. for for a couple years or for a bunch of years and then they got Brett Favre and then Brett Favre took some pressure off of him yeah exactly and then he was the and then he ran for two thousand nine ninety seven yards and almost broke the rushing record dudes he's got a lot of miles on his legs yeah, exactly he's superhuman but that comes to an end Father Time is caught up with him mm-hmm. Father Time comes up, caught, catches up with everyone so look but you're right about the Dwayne Haskins thing. You yeah. can't, yeah. He's another guy you need to give him more time. Pump the brakes. People are also saying like, who should be the who should be the Redskins starter next week? You put Haskins in. You put Haskins in exactly. Which means it's ha- Haskins time. So you're gonna ride through this guy for the rest of the year, or why, you're gonna why wreck not? his confidence. Why not? Let's be real. Because Jay Gruden would want to save his job. That's the only reason why not. The you gotta win reason. a couple games. Mm-hmm. But the thing is like. You gotta let this this Haskins guy make his mistakes that he needs to make. You gotta let him develop as a quarterback, and that'll be important for the franchise going forward. And that's exactly that is way more important. The internal politics that is going on within the the Redskins organization right now about who wants to keep their jobs should not have anything to do with the projection that this franchise is supposed to go on with this new quarterback. Right? That shouldn't play at all a factor at the end of the day. Yeah, you don't want the guy to lose his job, but. The execs in that organization, the owner, they want to see the team do well. Mm-hmm. Okay, And what the owner's going to do is he's just going to pretty much tell the head coach, hey, you're starting Haskins. That's it. And you should. I don't think that's the wrong move. But not that I'm very pro-owner 
you know, getting meddling in football operations. But if someone thinks that their job is on the line, they're going to make the safest decision. And the safest decision is not Dwayne Haskins. The mm-hmm. smart decision is Dwayne Haskins. But the guy who wants his job is not going to play Dwayne Haskins. Exactly. But, yeah, this guy needs time to grow. The thing you said was so true about the fact that he came into that game thinking he had to prove something, and he laid an egg. Mm-hmm. And he, he probably didn't expect to be playing that game. Three games went by, and he was like, yeah. you know, he was like, oh, whatever. And, and they, it's not like they played extremely well in either of the other games. And, so. you know, let's be real. The morale in that Redskins locker room is very low right now. It's in the dirt, man. The Redskins aren't a talented team. I think they know that. Mm-hmm. I don't think they should have playoff aspirations um, since since Alex Smith left. Exactly. Know? They have to be realistic at this point. And if that means putting a season into a younger quarterback, you take that bet and you hope you get some money back on it. Exactly. Why Why you dr- draft Dwayne Haskins otherwise? You know? Exactly. So... Yeah, uh, next topic we have, uh, similar, should Jay Gruden be fired at this point in the season? At this point in the season? At this point in the season, should Jay Gruden be fired? The Redskins are 0-4. and four. Yeah, we had this conversation earlier. Mm. Um, yeah, we were talking about, well, not, not specifically with Jay not, Gruden, yeah, but with coaches. But with coaches in general, and I agree with what you were saying, that you don't fire a coach midseason. Yeah, I, I've never been for it. Um, I've seen a lot of instances, whether it be in football, whether it be in professional um you, you know, European soccer, uh, an example of this was uh, Jose Mourinho got fired last year. And, yeah, there is a, a, there's a quick spark at the end of the season, but... It's not... It, at the end of the day, it's very hard for me to believe that that quick spark is entirely due to the new coaching. It's exactly. just, you know, it's this stupid mythology that's in professional sports that you bring a new coach in and all of a sudden the culture changes and everyone plays to full potential. For lack of a better word, it's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And that's what I noticed with the whole Daniel Jones thing. The, the morale of the Giants now, they feel like they've got hope because Daniel Jones is in at quarterback and Eli Manning isn't playing anymore. Hmm. They should have hope. Yeah. I'm not saying they shouldn't because Daniel Jones has played pretty well for a rookie quarterback. I'll very much admit that. He's played pretty damn well. Is he the future? Is yet to be determined because he's only played two NFL games. <laughs> exactly. So that the same reasoning goes behind that. Like, there is going to be a slight culture change. There's going to be a little more hope in the room, but whether these guys are the right pick, the right you know, the right person to have going forward, is is yet to be determined. I think, <clears throat> not to point out your team, but I think Manchester United is having, is kind of realizing that right now because you know they let Ole Gunnar Solskjaer become their manager after this incredible run that he went on, mm-hmm. and now United is there. You horrible. Know, well, <laughs> I mean, to United standards, they're to, horrible. To United standards, yeah, horrible. To recent standards, they're doing about what we expected. They're doing about what we expected. Um, but they just don't have a lot of talent on that team. They just drew Arsenal today. I know we're getting off topic, but... <laughs> it's still on the topic of coaches, though. Yeah, it's still on the topic of coaches, man. This encompasses all sports, is that do not fire your coach midseason. Mm-hmm. Let him at least figure it out, okay? And if you're the owner of that team or whoever makes the decision within that organization... Fine, you can fire Jay Gruden, right? But don't do it now, is what we're trying to say. If I was, if I was the owner of the Washington Redskins, I would wait until the end of the season. I'd, oh, I'm, I'm definitely firing him at the end of the season. Because you're not going to win anything anyways. You're not oh, like, yeah. It's not like Jay Gruden is the, is the factor here that's going to make or break the team. You're not, not going to do anything this season. And obviously there needs to be a culture change, but take your time. Look at all the available candidates at the end of the season when exactly. other people have fired their coaches too and be like, you know what? 
Mike McCarthy is still a head coach that's available. This guy could be a, a great for the culture change. You saw all the success he had in Green Bay. He won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, firing your coach midseason gives one guy hope, but... Do not hire a bad... Do not hire a coach who's doing bad for another bad head coach at the end of the day. Yeah. Take your time and make the proper decision. Are we saying that... I'm not saying that coaching doesn't have an effect. Coaching can have a huge effect. And there's 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 outliers to this, too. Look at... Um, God, I'm going back to soccer. Uh, look at Zinedine Zidane, man. Mm-hmm. Came in as an interim head coach and won three Champions League yeah, titles. Exactly. Which is huge. But, you know... Not everyone is Zinedine Zidane. Not everyone is Tom Brady, too. Not mm-hmm. every six-round pick is going to end up winning six Super Bowls. In fact, most... In fact, nobody else... I'd say 99% first round pick of sixth-round picks are yeah. not going to do that. You know? 99% of sixth-round picks aren't going to win an NFL game. Yeah. You know? like. So if you're the Redskins, don't look for some sort of anomaly and think that hiring a new head coach is going to put you, you know in playoff contention for this season. You have a really good Dallas Cowboys team in your division. You, you have, have a really a, good Eagles team in your division. You got a really good Eagles team in your division. And you now have, the Giants are on the and rise. Now, and now the Giants won two games in a row, and you're 0-4. Sit, you know, sit the season out. Sit man. the season out. You're not you're not losing anything out of it. It's not like you've been on some <laughs> some sort of a winning streak these past couple seasons. Exactly. It's not like there's going to be a big change in you know how football fans are going to be in Washington. You've been dealing with this for how long now? What's one more season? Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Now we go to the the Atlanta Falcons, um, who this is actually who we were having that that coaching debate on uh, was was Dan Quinn, mm-hmm. um, because Dan Quinn you know led the team to the Super Bowl, and has had success with this Falcons team, and he's you know this this franchise it's, they've drafted well and they're getting absolutely murdered by injuries this season, mm-hmm. but the problems I see are on the offensive side. I know that defense is going to get back together when they're healthy and they're going to play a lot better. The problems I see are offensively. Um, Matt Ryan has not nearly been the quarterback that he was since uh, that MVP season mm-hmm. where he threw 38 touchdowns and seven interceptions. He played absolutely stunning, but hasn't been anywhere close to that since. And I think in large part, it's from going from having such amazing offensive minds like uh, Kyle Shanahan to moving on to the doofus of Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> I'm not a big Sarkeesian fan, if you couldn't tell. I think uh, that guy was a mess at USC and has been a has been a mess everywhere he's gone. I think, I think he got kicked off the USC for, like, drinking too much or something. I remember some story about him, actually, but I don't remember what it was specifically. I don't know. I think the guy's a bum. Keep talking. I'm going to check. But regardless, yeah, the Falcons are having a lot of problems. They absolutely laid an egg against the the Titans this week, and the Titans, the Titans are a team in the NFL that can go in every week, and I think they have a possibility of beating every single team in this league. I also think they have a possibility of losing to every single team in this <laughs> league. <laughs> they, they have are. the players, but it's not working. Yeah, the like the, I, the the Titans are very hit or miss. Um, but but uh, the Falcons, the Falcons, yeah, they do have the players. They can win these games, but they're. You know, Matt Ryan throws for 400 yards and no touchdowns. They only score 10 points at the end of the day. They're just – a lot of it's gone to um, – a big problem is, you know, not having a balanced rushing attack, needing to fix the holes in that offensive line. But their offensive line isn't bad. It's it's a, no, by no margin is that offensive line the worst, you know. It's not the, the, it's it's not the not, Dolphins. It's not, you know, <laughs> exactly. And if it's not the Dolphins, you could work with it. Exactly. Exactly. And Matt Ryan's a talented enough quarterback to, you know, figure something out. Although his 89 rating on Madden is absolute 
a I've horse had this conversation as well because Cole thinks Aaron Rodgers should be a 101 overall in Madden. Look, no, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers. It's a, I'm not even saying Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. But the fact that he's rated lower than Matt Ryan is absolute malarkey. Malarkey. Malarkey, without a doubt. If I could pull a hundred NFL fans, and if one told me, if if one of them told me, none of these that, fans can be from Atlanta. <laughs> if one of them told me that Matt Ryan is a better quarterback. Even if I would go to Atlanta and ask them, would you rather have Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback? They'd all pick Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. There's no way they'd pick Matt Ryan. A hundred people would say, I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. And if you said Matt Ryan, I would ask you to go see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, go go get help. I think that's fair. <laughs> because because obviously something's not working. Mm-hmm. But So, so enough of my, uh, do- my ripes on Madden. The question <laughs> is, does... Let's say the Falcons have a horrible season, which let's say they do. Which probably will. I'm, I'm da- saying they go four and twelve. So does does so Dan Quinn gets the boot? I'd fire him at the end of the season. I think they need a culture change. I think they need to work. Uh, I think they need an offensive-minded head coach so that they can fix their offensive problems. And I think that they still have a young, talented defensive core that can that can be all right without a genius defensive mind like Dan Quinn. But maybe you got to change the way this offensive side plays. How, what their playbook is going to look like going forward. Maybe it doesn't have to be all centered around, you know, throwing deep balls. Maybe it has to be maybe what kind of Patriots do. You know, mm-hmm. short little 10-yard gains. Who knows? I mean... I mean, well, I heard people a couple years ago telling me that the Falcons had the, the deepest, the best receiving core in the league with mm-hmm. Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu. They had Taylor Gabriel before. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they still have Taylor Gabriel. I'm not they, sure. They, might. they do have Mohamed Sanu. They have Mohamed Sanu still... You know, this is a talented offense, and they should not be performing as poorly as they are. And I'm not sure if enough blame is being put on Matt Ryan. I think more should be. Not that I'm a Matt Ryan hater at all. I really like Matt Ryan as a player. But at some point, you have to take some responsibility as for what's happening. And, I, you know, we've all seen his ceiling. His ceiling is an MVP quarterback. Yeah. So is Cam Newton's, though. So... <laughs> You and know, you don't take that with Cam a grain Newton of salt. Right now. Yeah. yeah, Cam Newton might get benched for Kyle Allen this year. Who knows what's happening? I think you will. The last thing that came out about Cam Newton was lips frank, which is not a good thing. Lips frank. Lips frank. Um, kind of. I don't know if lips frank is the term for surgery or it's an actual injury, but it's something that apparently quarterbacks get, and it's not a good thing. Lips frank scra- uh, fracture is an injury of the foot. One or more metatarsal bones are placed from the yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, it's a foot problem. Um, oh, is it the fifth metatarsal? I keep hearing about that injury. That's a long rehab. People yeah, don't exactly. And apparently the trainers are scared that that's the case. And if it is the case, then if you're Kyle Allen, you're super happy because mm-hmm. um, you get to play. But in terms of if you're a uh, Carolina fan, I don't know. Well, They might be happy, though. Kyle Allen just won the last two games, man. Yeah. I mean, granted, it hasn't been super pretty. But their wins, they, their wins. Yeah. You know, I, I think it said um, the last. I don't know how many games it might have been the last 10 games. Cam Newton has played. He's thrown nine touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Mm-hmm. I want to say I saw that today. Uh, Liz Frank fracture six to 12 weeks of wearing cast and special walking boots. Physical therapy and rehabilitation will take more time. So I mean, granted, NFL players usually beat that. They come back sooner because they're they load them up specimens. on painkillers. Yeah. And then they're specimens, uh, you know, that, too. But. But, yeah, man, Cam Newton. I don't want to talk too much about Cam Newton. And also another, before we move on to the next topic, Steve, Scar- Steve Sarkeesian was, took a leave of absence because of the influence of alcohol. So Cole was right about that one, too. 
had a feeling. Um, what I want? Oh God, I I had one more gripe with uh, Cam Newton, then I want to leave the topic entirely. Uh, <laughs> I hate all this hype that ESPN's pushing on Cam Newton because before the season started, everyone was like. I think Cam Newton is my MVP candidate this season. I was mm-hmm. like, are you kidding me? Yeah. When was the last? Like, he hasn't shown anything near MVP possibility since 2015, and this offense is nowhere near ready to help him become an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, they got Christian McCaffrey, but their receivers are still not great. Yeah. And maybe Cam Newton's not making them look great, but I don't expect Cam Newton to be Aaron Rodgers. You know? Yeah, exactly. What, when, when Cam Newton was performing at his best... Right, he was running the ball. Exactly. What What was the one thing that people know about Cam Newton? That he's mobile. He's physical. And he's huge, and he's physical, and he's, he's not afraid to scramble and take a hit and he's probably put six, the other guy down. two forty, and runs a four four forty yard yeah. dash, and will jump over the line of scrimmage and hold the ball one hand, and mm-hmm. you know just and, yeah, just beat be you. just be a, a just a f- just I don't even know how to describe him. Just the Hulk, huge guy, mm. and can do things physically that other guys simply cannot. That's just genetic. But, you know, you never... All these guys that are saying, oh, he's my MVP candidate, whatever. Max Kellerman. Yeah, you put... <laughs> the, those, those, those are the guys that are expecting to put the ball in Cam Newton's hand and say, okay, now you're going to be a pocket passer and you're going to be one of the most accurate arms in the league. Not the case. Yeah, look look, look what happened uh, when RG3 tried to do that. Didn't work so well. Didn't work so well. Now he's a backup quarterback. Exactly. Some guys are just... You know, there's some things that are just super duper hard to teach, and, and you look, have to understand that with the type of quarterbacks. We also have to understand that we knew that Cam Newton wasn't going to have a very long career because of this extremely physical style of play. When you play half quarterback, half running back, you can't expect to play more than 15 years in the NFL. That's exactly. wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. That's extremely wishful thinking. So the fact that he's now in his eighth season, he's really starting to get beat up. I, you know, I can't say it's super surprising, and that his productivity has gone down because of it. I can't say it's super surprising. Uh, this is the same thing that happens to, you know, those other physical players that, you know, have careers that are about as long as how long Cam Newton's been in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And bottom line, if you're a quarterback, yeah, you surround a good quarterback with good players that he can throw to. But first, before all that happens, the quarterback has to be able to get the ball to those players for them to actually have an effect on the game. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that... It doesn't matter if he has a Christian McCaffrey on his team or whoever. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's pretty amazing. Oh, no, let's not. He led the team in rushing. He had like 150 yards rushing and then 90 yards receiving on 10 catches. He Mm -hmm. was amazing last game. That guy's guy's a stud. But, yeah, regardless, uh, uh, having Christian McCaffrey on your team isn't going to essentially make you win games, even though he's amazing. Mm -hmm. You need a a quarterback who can can get the ball to him and his other weapons on Mm -hmm. offense. All right, so enough gripes about Cam Newton. On to other people's gripes about Marcus Mariota. And I'm I'm always hearing Coward talk about he doesn't like Mariota's leadership and doesn't think Mariota's a good quarterback. It's time to move on from Mariota. I disagree. And look, I like Coward a lot. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we're going to make merch on this uh, on this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to get or we're going to get hit with a lawsuit cuz he need he wants royalty one yeah, or the other. Probably. It's it's not going to be about Cowherd, but it's I mean we're it's probably going to be like F Max Kellerman or something like that. Fire Max Kellerman or get Max Kellerman out of there. Put it up on the store for anyone who wants it. I'm making enemies already. Have already. That shirt. Yeah. <laughs> making en- making enemies early in the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that'll get me a lot of places in this career. Um I don't think Max Kellerman's a bad guy. I just think the stuff that he says is stupid. So, mm. you know, 
Um, but, you know, if Max Carmen's ever out there listening, I, I'd love to grab drinks with him and talk things over. I, I don't mean to be a dick. Nothing about football, though. <laughs> Everything except football. I, you know what? Maybe if maybe if we had Max Kellerman on the show, it'd be good because I'd be arguing with him about every single topic. Mm-hmm. It would turn in, it like turns into a good show. It would turn. It would definitely be interesting. But man, I there's there's few few things I agree with Max Kellerman on. Um, regardless, we're talking about Colin Coward saying that uh, Marcus Mariota's got to get up out of out of Tennessee. But you know what? Tennessee Tennessee has always been a very for so long, they've been such an average team. Mm-hmm. Remember remember the – you know who they remind me of? Who? Uh, remember those years where the Cowboys, the Tony Romo Cowboys, just kept going 8-8, eight 8-8, and 8-8? Eight, eight and eight, eight and eight. Uh-huh. Well, exactly. they're doing the same thing with 9-7, and 9-7, and 9-7. and seven. Exactly. And what, well, what I've noticed is that not since that first year that they went 9-7 and seven has Marcus Mariota been healthy. So a lot of this rides on Marcus Mariota's health. And this is a topic I talked about last, last week, too. Uh, Marcus Mariota has not played a full game in, or not full game, full season, full season, and uh, not not played a full sixteen game season in the NFL ever. The most he played was fifteen games his second season, where he threw twenty six touchdowns to nine interceptions. Career year, played very well. Right now, he's thrown seven touchdowns, zero interceptions on the season, and has a one hundred seven passer rating, which is um, the best of his career to start this off. So I think he's playing very well. You gotta, you, you don't forget. Now that he's not the new toy in the box, don't forget that Marcus Mariota <laughs> had, a good had a lot of freaking like good good attributes coming out of college. Dude's fast, runs a four 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 five forty, mm-hmm. extremely accurate. He completed over seventy percent of his passes in high school. Doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. You know, granted, the last couple of years uh, he's thrown maybe twelve or so interceptions a year around that amount, and he hasn't been throwing the touchdowns to back that up. Well, now. Now he's healthy and he can throw the ball. And so you're seeing that accuracy develop. Now you're surrounding him with better receivers, not only just Delaney Walker, but now you've got Corey Davis, you've got A.J. Brown, mm-hmm. uh, better players. And none of these guys are A-plus players. None of these guys are Julio Jones or Odell Beckham. But they're solid. They're, mm-hmm. they're solid B-B-plus players, enough to like build your team around. Um, Derrick Henry, too, is a solid player. Their offensive line isn't bad. And, yeah, I get it that Marcus Mariota doesn't always show up every single game. He didn't play well against the the uh, Jaguars on Thursday night the week before. Um, but the Jaguars have a really good defense. I don't think the Jaguars should be slept on either. We're going to talk about the AFC South in a bit. but Or, no, we're already talking about the AFC South. I forgot we're the already tit- talking the tit- about them. The, the Jaguars tit- will be next. Yeah, we're, we're getting further into that. Um. <laughs> At the end of the day, though, the, the, um, with Marcus Mariota, who's your alternative? Ryan right. Tannehill? Exactly. No, but even so, oh, we don't want Mario to get him out, whatever. Who is the guy that you're going to go to then? Who? You're, like, for the, for example, this next draft coming up, do the Titans have a high draft pick? Well, they're 2-2 two and two right now, and the Dolphins are tanking for Tua. Okay. So. And then who's the I, other guy in that draft? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence isn't eligible to get drafted this season. Never mind. Next year. Not Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so, who else, really? They're saying Jake Fromm, uh, Herbert out of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh who else was looking good? Uh, Jake Fromm, they said maybe a late, a late first round draft pick, but I'm not sure if he's a big stud. I, Herbert from Oregon has a lot of hype coming around him. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one they're saying is, uh, is that that Jake Browning kid out of UW, Washington, the the Huskies. So I'm not I'm not sure if I'm thinking that right. Is it still Browning? That's the quarterback of uh, 
of Washington. But regardless, there's there's some good talent in this year's quarterback class, but it's um it's pretty much Tua. Oh no, Jake Browning is not. Oh shoot, <laughs> it's pretty much Tua. It's it's pretty much Tua. I, I heard you know Brandon. It, he's been on the show once, I believe. Uh, our friend Brandon Blummer. Shout out to Brandon. Uh, <laughs> he really likes Fromm out of Oregon. I'm not sold on him. I don't think he has a big. He, I don't think he has a huge arm. Um, he's got an okay arm. He's got okay mobility. He's kind of like Baker Mayfield, but not so exciting. Like a boring version of Baker Mayfield. Hmm. But but boring in what way? Because he's not on the field like with all the he, antics. He doesn't have personality. Yeah. Um, but like, he also doesn't throw a lot of touchdowns. And like, his. But that's also the offense that Georgia runs. Regardless, I'm not sold on Jake Fromm. I think two is the guy this season. He's thrown 26 touchdowns so far and zero interceptions. Is completing 70% of his passes. It's going to be hard not to pick Tua first overall. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Unless you're going to trade up for the next, you know, Hawaii guy out of uh, who went to the same high school as Marcus Mariota, five minutes from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, shout out Tua. Um, <laughs> shout out. I don't want to shout out St. Louis High School. Screw that. <laughs> you just did. Uh, no, I, I ain't. Oh, fine. He ain't shouting them out. Shout out St. Louis High School. Shout out, shout out UH Lab. UH Lab. That's the high school I went to. So why were you shouting out St. Louis? Huh? Because uh, he went to high school five minutes from where I went to high school. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was a. I didn't go to school. high school with him. That was that's a that's a uh, Catholic all boys school. I didn't go there. Mm. But they developed some good football players. They got a really good football team this year, St. Louis. Um, so I'll, I'll give them credit that. But um, Anyways, if the if the Titans go nine and seven, again, or they have some some middle of the road record, they'll probably make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what is the so what is it? Let's say they don't. What's the move? They don't make the playoffs. They still go nine and seven though. I mean, look, eight and eight. what? Yeah. What's what's their their floor for them? I get it that they don't have a high ceiling, but they also have a pretty high floor. Oh, they do have a high floor because there's there's a there's they're they're a decent team and they're well coached by Mike Vrabel. I, I think at this point with the, with the way the trend's been going, their floor is going 500. Yeah, they're gonna be eight eight or That's nine their and seven. floor. But yeah. if that happens again, they're also playing a really bad division. They're playing a horrible division. Yeah, because we expected more out of Deshaun Watson at this point in the season. Um, Andrew Luck retired, so you know the Colts games are wide open. Although people have been writing Jacoby Brissett, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, and then you got Gardner Minshew, who I love, but you're not so sold on. <laughs> yeah, not yet. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, no. The, the, look at who you got. You know, you you have every opportunity to to win this division. And I think um, if you just keep on giving Marcus Mariota that that time, you'll see his talent in games like he just played. And I think that I've thought this since um, since Mariota got drafted, I thought he was the better prospect coming out of college, not because I'm biased, but partially because I'm biased. <laughs> um, I, I wasn't sold on Jameis Winston because, you know, his senior, uh, well, I don't know if his, his senior or junior year, his last year in college, threw 25 touchdowns and 18 interceptions. That's, yeah, that's, that's not, not a great a, ratio. That's not a stat that I really like coming out of college. So I wasn't, I wasn't completely sold on him, and those interception problems have shown in the NFL. Um, so I think I think out of the two, Mariota is the better talent. Mariota has not had as much offensive help um, as far as offensive minds. You know, uh, the Buccaneers are constantly trying to get like a good offensive coach to help Jameis Winston get better. And if you're looking at his performance yesterday, Jameis Winston played amazing. So mm-hmm. maybe Bruce Arians is doing something right. Yeah. But still threw an interception when he didn't need to. So 
Um, so what's the bottom line? Hold out? For Marcus Mariota? Yeah. Mar- you, you keep him. You keep him. You keep him. You hold on to him. You continue to build this team around him. He'll show you why he had the talent to be number two overall. He's learning that he can't be this guy who runs around. He doesn't have the frame. Mm-hmm. He's, he can't be Cam Newton in the sense that, you know, Cam was Cam was 250 pounds, man. He was huge. Mm-hmm. He's a big guy. Uh, Mariota's a lot slimmer than that, so he's got he's to learn to slide. And, but I think he's doing that now, mm-hmm. and he's learning to take less hits because he's getting hurt. He's getting banged up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's the thing with Marcus Mariota. What do you think they should do with Mariota? I think the same thing as you. And I think, it, you know, given this guy has a couple more years, so you can't always play into that young quarterback thing. But you know what? There's a lot of young quarterbacks in the league who are doing a hell of a lot worse than 9-7. and seven. Mm-hmm. Okay? Look at Kyler Murray. <laughs> you know? Looking at you, bud. <laughs> so... Yeah, fine. If there's one thing you can take away from it, there's an element of consistency there, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, those couple seasons in a row where it's kind of that middle-of-the-road record, is it something you love to look at at a fan? No. But would you rather be that or bottom of the barrel and then just sell your soul for draft picks every year? Yeah. You know, some of these people, I get it. You're a Tennessee fan. You haven't won a while. You want to now. You have a good quarterback. you got a pretty good team. But it doesn't always work out that way. And I don't think giving up one of your best assets and a guy who has a pretty, you know, who can be a lot better as a player if you look at him, I don't think it's wise to let go of that for, you know, another rebuild. Exactly. Exactly. So, so on to the next AFC South quarterback, Gardner Minshew, man. I mean, look, I get he's not wowing us with his yards thrown and stuff, but his his poise, his character in the pocket, his uh, his ability to lead a team. I mean, this guy's got stories out the wazoo. If you haven't been paying attention to Gardner Minshew, I hope you do. This guy tried to break his hand his freshman year of college so he could play an extra year of football. Drank a bottle of Jack and then tried to break his hand. Literally with a took a hammer to his left hand. <laughs> what Just a to guy! Play one more year. I if that isn't commitment, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, I think there's an element of being kind of a psychopath in that, but I guess you need that if you want to be a great player <laughs> in the NFL, if we're being real. It cracks me up. And they also they also run into him in the weight room only wearing a jock strap. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, let, a, just a weird guy. He's, he's a weird dude. His mustache says it all. Mississippi boy. Uh, I, I was telling Costa a little bit. He reminds me of a little, a little bit of Brett Favre, just personality-wise. Um and like just the way they carry themselves, you know, fun guys, you know, guys that guys you want to be your quarterback, you, you like it. Uh, he looks a lot like, uh, like facial wise, he looks a lot like Baker Mayfield. But I, what what I see, obviously not the talent of Baker Mayfield, not the talent of Brett Favre, uh, but you know, the bandana, the hair, Minshew's got the mustache. Mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette was saying that mustache gives him superpowers, uh-huh. <laughs> like secret powers, and he called him King Jocks. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a whole lot of jokes in the Jaguars camp right now because they won a couple won a couple games right. They won they won two games with Gardner Minshew, games. but you got to look at this last game. And I get it that the Broncos are bad. I get it that uh, you know their defense hasn't they didn't get a sack for the first three weeks with that nasty pass rush of Bradley Chubb and Von Miller mm-hmm. for three weeks with a defensive head coach they didn't get a sack uh, last week yesterday they got a sack. Uh, but you see what happens is two minutes left in the game. Uh, Joe Flacco has driven the, driven the Broncos down, scored a touchdown, brought it up to 24-23 when they were down 17-23. Gardner Minshew gets the ball back as a sixth-round pick with so much poise and so much confidence, brings the ball down to field goal range, and Josh Lambeau kicks a winner 
for the Jaguars to win the game. Uh, and I saw so many memes that it's like Gardner Minshew, we can throw it over the mountains in mm-hmm. Denver. Uh, like Uncle Rico. <laughs> if anyone's not seen that movie, please do. Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> uh, man, man, it's amazing. Uh, you know, as a sixth round pick, I get a little, I get a little Tom Brady vibes. You know, for from seeing someone be able to march down the field and let their kicker do their job, put your team in a position to win. Gardner Minshew was able to do that. I get he struggled early, but he got his stuff together. Kids. Kids, I mean, I call him kid. He's three years older than me. Uh, he's completing sixty nine percent of his passes, seven touchdowns to one interception. That's NFL starter quarterback quality, man. No, yeah, I, I look. My one thing is like the same thing with like the Daniel Jones things too. Right? We haven't seen it for that long. Yeah, yeah, but like exactly, it's the same narrative as the Daniel Jones thing. You haven't seen him, you know, be consistent, you know, for a long time as a good quarterback. Every quarterback's gonna have bumps in the road. The main attraction right now of Gardner Minshew is that swagger that he has, and people kind of attract to that, that, like, okay, I'm the guy who's going to step in and win games, and he's done that so far, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. My question is... That's I'm, something that the Jaguars need, by the way. Something that the Jaguars really, really need, especially in this crap division where you're going to want a guy who's not afraid to win those, you know, nasty, gritty games. You want a guy who's, like, you know, ready for that guy who's freaking broke his hand, and you yeah, know, because he wanted to play football. Because he wanted to play more football. But <laughs> the thing is, is, you know, my question is, I'm, I want to see the moment where Gardner Minshew has a horrible game. That's what I want to see. And I want to see what he looks like right after that game in the presser. And how he bounces back from that. How he responds to it, hopefully like a gentleman, like Mm -hmm. a guy who knows what he has to do the next week coming up. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, exactly, how he responds to it the next game. That's what you want to see out of a quarterback who's going to win for you consistently. So I'm waiting for that. I really am. Because this isn't going to go on for that much longer. You know, obviously I want to see the guy do well, but I'm a realist at the same time. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a point where he's going to have a bad game. And I respect that. I respect that, of course. And, like, those first two weeks he – who the Jaguars play week two? I know week one they lost. Uh, he got thrown. I mean, thrown into the fire. He completed twenty-two out of twenty-five passes, two touchdowns and an interception. Absolutely amazing. Um, they lost the game, and you know, uh, week two they lost also. They were this close. They were an extra point away from uh, tying the Jaguars. I think they went for two at the end. Or sorry, tying the Texans. They went for two to win it, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, so. That was another thing. He he drove down and you know scored a touchdown for them to to get in that position. So yeah, I I do agree with you. He needs to. Uh, I want to see how he bounces back from adversity. But man, I want this guy to be good. Mm-hmm. I really really want him to be good because I'm I'm excited about this guy. And you know it may just be me, but I I love seeing an underdog story. All my favorite quarterbacks have been like Brett Favre was a second round draft pick. Uh, got kicked out of Atlanta because they didn't really want him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, guys like that. No, it's these stories that you want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I find myself even kind of rooting for Daniel Jones because they booed the crap out of him when they picked him. Mm-hmm. But I do get, you know, I get PTSD looking at Daniel Jones because he looks so much like freaking Eli Manning. <laughs> and I got so many bad memories of Eli Manning, man. Like, look, I get it that their play style is different, but, like, they throw the ball similarly. And... That like the I've never seen someone with such Eli face. You know, Eli face is a real thing. Know, Daniel that, Jones that, is that photo. I think you sent me that photo <laughs> of them both. Like, who sent me that photo? They were making someone the same face. I the think same it was exact face. Like, it was actually pretty scary. <laughs> like Daniel Jones could be Eli Manning's son, and he I wouldn't. Could, he could literally that. be his doppelganger. <laughs> so that's that's pretty funny. Um, obviously, I get it. Daniel Jones isn't made up of the same stuff that Eli Manning is is inside. Um, because I don't like Eli Manning one bit, but. But yeah, no, man. Like, uh, 
Jones has come in and done the work. Uh, I, I'm cautiously optimistic with him. I'm very optimistic with Gardner Minshew because, like, if he doesn't work out, yeah, he's a six-round pick. What What do you know? Yeah. But if he ends up being the Jaguars franchise quarterback, I'm going to be stoked. I'm going to root for the Jaguars every single week, unless mm-hmm. they're playing the Chargers. Yeah, but, unless they're playing the Chargers, obviously. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it is it is cool, though, when you see a guy. That's the stories you want to see in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Guys get that shot, and they capitalize on it. Yeah, but, it's amazing. Look at Tom Brady. I mean, I, it was great to see Tom Brady do that until he won six Super Bowls, and now everyone hates him. Now everyone hates him. But, but it was the same thing. Drew Bledsoe goes down, Tom Brady comes in, wins the game. Six-round pick, man. So... You know, and then the tuck rule. There's a lot, <laughs> then the tuck rule, and then this and that, whatever. And then and then Spygate, and then Deflategate. Spygate and Deflategate, and Patriots cheat, and this and that, whatever. <laughs> you know, because apparently I'm not even gonna get into it right now. But <laughs> if you're a Colts fan, I don't like you just because of that. Um, but yeah, you hope to see this guy do well. You know, you want to see those stories, but there's a lot of this story left to be said. So, and speaking of the Colts, what do you think of Jacoby Brissett? So I'm gonna throw in my bias here. Mm. Um, Jacoby Brissett is a former Patriot. Mm-hmm. Jacoby Brissett played after Tom Brady got to suspended on that bullshit deflategate story. Mm, after after Jimmy Garoppolo went down with an injury. After Jimmy Garoppolo went down, Jacoby Brissett, I think, I know he won one game. I don't want to say he won two, but he played super duper well, and that's why the Colts were so form um, mm-hmm. when they picked him up in free agency afterwards. Um, so I think he great character from him, like great character from him. Like absolutely. you know, this guy used to play for the Patriots. Smart he's guy, a smart guy, nose to the grindstone. You know, wants to play. You know, just ready to go every week. Um, I'm excited for him. It, you know, it looks like he's going to be a good quarterback for this year, given the Colts have their own problems. So, you know, let's not go too crazy about him. But I'm optimistic, just like I am for Gardner Mitchell about Jacoby Brissett. Is Jacoby th- Brissett the franchise quarterback for the Colts? What do you think? Mm, I'm not going to give him that yet. I'm not comfortable giving him that, that, that kind of staple yet. I want to see him at the end of the season, and then I want to give that judgment. I, I agree with you on that. Um, but what I've seen so far has impressed. You know, mm-hmm. he's 10 touchdowns, two interceptions at this point in the season with a 65% completion percentage, 102 passer rating. It's impressive. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I definitely didn't expect – I knew he was an accurate passer, um, but I didn't expect him to throw this many touchdowns, obviously, to be this good in the red zone. Uh, all, all of these factors come, come across as, uh, you know, I expected more of what we saw from him in 2017, the year that, uh, that Andrew Luck didn't play. He threw 13 touchdowns to seven interceptions, 3,000 yards, 59% completion percentage. But he's made leaps and bounds of progress. So, look, I'm not sure I'm not sure if he's going to be the franchise quarterback going into the future, but he's definitely put himself on the on the right. He's put, Yeah, he's, he's definitely put himself on the map, and he's, he's in put the right, the right, right foot right forward. Now. He has, because, and these, if you're a guy who, you know. Not the left foot forward. Not the left foot forward. He's <laughs> put the right foot forward. He hasn't, he hasn't tripped over himself yet. Mm-hmm. But if you're a guy who's. You know, in the Colts franchise, you expect Jacoby Brissett to play well this season because there is no pressure on him, okay? Given how this season's going to play out, mm. um, and, you know, you know yeah, the weapons that he has. Yeah, thrown into the fire with Andrew yeah. Luck just retiring. Yeah, thrown into the fire. You, there's not a lot of pressure right now on Jacoby Brissett to play extremely well, and he's playing extremely well. So, let's see how it plays out. Maybe yeah. at the end of the season that could be the case, and he gets offered a big contract. Who I, knows? I hope he just doesn't end up like Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins pisses me off every day. No one wants that. I mean, look, I, what, what I get so upset about Kirk Cousins is, like, when he got his money, I was like, you know what? I think Kirk Cousins is going to be the guy that takes the Minnesota Vikings to the Super Bowl. And I have just been eating my words since then. I mm-hmm. will be the first one to admit that I made a mistake on Kirk Cousins because, mm-hmm. you know, I thought eventually he'd get past this, uh, you know, not being able to play on Sunday night games and, you know, when the pressure's on and stuff like that. Because, you, you like know, that? <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, I thought I thought he'd get past it, man. I because you know, year after year, he had those prove it moments where they're like, you know what, we're gonna franchise tag you, prove it that you can get this contract. And then he did. He did year after year, and then he got the contract. It's been absolutely average, mm-hmm. below average this year. Below average. So not worth the money. Yeah, which is disappointing. They might have to put Kyle Sloter in, but we'll see how that goes. Kyle Sloter a couple years ago when they drafted him played amazing in the preseason. So, and it's interesting because let's say Jacoby Brissett wasn't playing so well, right? You compare those two quarterbacks. Kirk, let's say Kirk Cousins not playing well like he is now, and Jacoby Brissett was kind of the same thing. You wouldn't be having this conversation about Jacoby Brissett like you are with Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins got the contract. Because Kirk Cousins got the contract, and because Kirk Cousins has super duper good players around him. That's true. Well, there's some talent on that Colts. Some talent, offense. nothing compared to the Vikings. That's true. Vikings have probably the, some of the best offensive weapons in the entire NFL. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph. Mm-hmm. List goes on. Laquan Treadwell. Players. Solid offensive line. But it's just not happening. I mean, the last couple of weeks, Jacoby Brissett's have been having to deal with an injured T.Y. Hilton. Um, I don't even know the other players on that Colts offense. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> they have that. Who's, a, uh, who's the tight end? Eric Ebron. But Yeah, Ebron's nice. But compared to that Minnesota team, no. Yeah. Right. And uh, and so that plays into the conversation as well. The Colts don't have that kind of, you know, they don't have that hanging over their heads right now, which Corbett said like the Minnesota Vikings do. Exactly. With that money that they already gave up. Mm-hmm. Last last couple topics I want to get into are going to be revolved around the uh, Dolphins-Chargers games. I know we couldn't get a solid two weeks without talking about the Chargers. I'm pretty sure we talked about the Chargers last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't want to talk too much about the Chargers personally. Uh, big a big portion of this, and we were talking about this before, is Josh Rosen. Now I I saw this game obviously because I'm a Chargers fan, but the the Dolphins took a lead on the Chargers in the first quarter, and mm-hmm. I was like, uh, well first I was like, we're gonna no, be the no way team this can happen. We're gonna lose, we're gonna be the <laughs> team that loses to the freaking Dolphins. I can't believe this, but I mean we didn't, so I was happy. Josh Rosen played a hell of a game too. Mm-hmm. Josh Rosen played really well, and this is a guy I've been saying this since he was drafted. If you've listened to us in Wilmington, Delaware, since you know, a couple years ago, <laughs> since we first guy. started, you're that guy. You've been hearing me talk, and I, you've been hearing me say, I think Josh Rosen is the best quarterback coming out of this class. And, you know, he stunk it up last year, and he's not been doing great this year. And everyone realizes that he's been put up in two positions to fail because the, the Cardinals were by far and away the worst team in the league last year. Uh, they had to fire their first their head coach after the first or after the first four weeks. Not the head coach, their offensive coordinator, Mike McCoy. Mike McCoy, former Chargers head coach, um, who's just, man, don't even get me started on Mike McCoy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what happened their first week, and I always mention this. They didn't get past the 50-yard line. That's abysmal. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely awful. And the, the Dolphins have been able to, you know, kind of perform. Uh, not really. I don't know. They're, they're, they're clearly tanking. No one's, no no one's, one's saying that they're that, not. Yeah. Um, but man, Josh Rosen has been put into situations to fail. And you know what? He performed last night against the uh, against the Chargers defense. I think he completed about oh god um, versus Chargers. <laughs> Thing is with Josh Rosen, just the way that his career has played out so far, it's just you know he's been so unlucky. He's been super duper unlucky. You know, he gets in that Arizona situation, go for Kyler Murray right after. They throw him out like garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, Even though he had to deal with an awful offensive line, mm-hmm. just a terrible offense, an incompetent offensive a coordinator. Bad team. Terrible team. So right. bad. And so the bad. Cardinals put all their faith in them, expecting them to make them, you know, make a playoff run with the pieces they have around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets thrown into Miami. And, and you know how he plays against the Chargers? And the Chargers have no joke of a secondary. Their secondary is legit. 
Mm-hmm. And their defense has has been banged up, and they haven't been playing great. But he goes against the Chargers, and he completes 70% of his passes, throws for 180 yards, and scores a touchdown. And that's better than, you know, anything Ryan Fitzpatrick has done this year. Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins, Dolphins have been awful. Dolphins have been absolutely dreadful. Disgusting. Yeah. So, look, I get I get that he has he's been having bad games, but he's going to be the quarterback going forward for this year at least. And personally, as a Chargers fan, I know that uh, I know that Philip Rivers is getting to the end of the uh, end of his career. And I was saying this when the Cardinals were trading Josh Rosen. I we know that the Dolphins are going to trade Rosen after they get Tua because we already know that they're going to get Tua. Mm-hmm. But I hope that the the Chargers um, I hope that the Chargers get Josh Rosen. You sit him behind Philip Rivers for a couple years, let him get all this crappy. Uh, you know, like incompetent coaching and just complete dysfunction behind him. Mm-hmm. Let him sit for two years, a year, maybe two, and then give him, give him the opportunity in the Chargers offense that has weapons like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Melvin Gordon going forward. A so-so offensive line, I'll admit. Um, but Hunter Henry, so many young options on this offense. And then a offensive coordinator that's established like Ken Wisenhunt, you know, uh, and a head coach that's offensive. Granted, he's a running backs coach in the past, Anthony Lynn. But you know, he's a he's a take no crap kind of guy. So I think um, I think that would be the best situation. That would be a stroke of luck if he ever got one. And let this be, you know, just real quick side note for the Chargers. Let this be a disclaimer for you know Chargers fans, if any listening. Um, this does not, by any means mean that you take your foot off the gas. If you are a Charger fan, you are in Super Bowl mode right now. Oh, absolutely. As we said, Phillip Rivers is nearing the end of his career. Super good quarterback, super good offense, good defense. You are in the mode where you have to win now. Okay, Josh Rosen is an afterthought right now. You have to still be in the mode where you're expecting this team to at least make the AFC Championship game. I agree. By no means they shouldn't. Right. well, there's the Chiefs and the Patriots. Chiefs and the Patriots. But you have the talent to be able to take those team downs if you play a hell of a game. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the expectation you should have as a fan at this point. Josh Rosen being that backup under Rivers, yeah, fine. You want to establish yourselves for the future, but it's taken a pretty damn long time for the Chargers to get back to this point, and you're in it. Mm-hmm. Capitalize on it. I that's agree. that's where this organization should be headed. I agree 100%. The thing that worries me about the Chargers, though, as a Chargers fan, I can be objective about this relatively, um, is that Philip Rivers has never won a game in his career while Tom Brady is playing. <laughs> Um, which is which is pretty disappointing. So uh, you so it, you so you hope the Chiefs somehow face you in that last game. Yeah, is what he I, I'm hoping <laughs> that the Chiefs somehow take the Patriots out, and yeah. then we get to play the 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 Chiefs. In Hopefully, the, you play the Chiefs in Los Angeles. Yeah, what what a what a scenario that would yeah. be. I highly doubt that's going to happen. But like, if we could avoid Tom Brady, if we have to play Tom Brady, I don't expect to make it to the Super Bowl. I expect to, yeah, I expect to lose wherever that is, probably the divisional round, realistically. But mm-hmm. you know, not to say there isn't hope. It's just that I'm saying, no, I'm, I'm saying that the Chargers have beat the Patriots one time in Phillip Rivers' career, and it's when Matt Castle was quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not Phillip Rivers, for those concerned. We, we lost, what, 40-7 to seven last AFC mm-hmm. divisional game? God, it was horrible, man. It's a mental thing, that's for sure, because there's talent there. Yeah, it's in his head. It's in the entire team's head. They know they can't beat the Patriots. It's really disappointing. But yeah, because it, it wasn't it wasn't just Philip Rivers' fault. It was that entire team. the The defense, 
just let Brady pick them apart that game. Mm-hmm. Just play, sat back and played zone the entire day. So that was that was disappointing. They made no effort to rush the passer. And uh, God, okay. Regardless, um, that's all we got for today's show. Thank you for listening from Wilmington, Delaware. We appreciate all of you, Wilmingtonites. Uh, merch merch coming eventually. Uh, if you want to go Venmo me, we can work on that more. Yeah, if you want your Max Kellerman shirts or yeah, nothing Philip Rivers though. If you guys want any Tom Brady stuff, <laughs> it's not you guys be Tom want Brady any Patriots either. merch, <laughs> we'll absolutely do that it's, for you. It's gonna be show stuff. It's gonna be it's gonna be run it back shirts. It's gonna be um, bad mouthing Max Kellerman. It's gonna be uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah, that's that's what you're gonna get. So we've got the ideas. We've got our uh, we've got our media guy working on it. Um, Whoever that is. Media and art guy. It's Jorge. It's Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> the intern. Yeah. The intern. He's, man, he's really taking a downgrade there. Uh, no offense, Jorge. We love you. Just kidding. You're not an intern. You're our, you're our co-host, media man extraordinaire. Um, so, yeah, for, uh, for all of us at Running Back and for where you are and how you are, always use the verb of star. Jesus Christ. We're keeping that running. That's going to be a shirt, too. Uh, this is Run It Back. Thank you for listening.